Hi, I'm Charlotte de Courcy Bailey. Welcome to Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People. This is a podcast about the power of a human decision and the incredible ability of the mind to guide you on your journey through life, equipped with the skills to tackle adversity and to overcome setbacks. We are real stories with a little bit of science. Hi, my name is Charlotte de Courcy Bailey and welcome to Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People. My guest this week is Ted Poulos. Ted is a Sydney-based project manager working for Meriton in the building industry. He has a background in structural civil engineering from Sydney University and by his own definition is very sports-minded. Um, Ted comes to us today recommended by one of our other interviewees earlier this year, um, Rev, and she was very keen that we speak to Ted because he really demonstrates in her belief and from what I've heard so far, absolute commitment and understanding to mindset and how to shift your thinking in the area particularly of sports and overcoming mindset um, problems in the past health concerns. So Ted, hi, welcome. Hi Charlotte, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this grey Saturday morning in Sydney. Yeah, it, it is a bit, but uh, I've, I've already been out, had my exercise. <laughs> right. What time did it start this morning? I was at the pool at 7 o'clock. On a Saturday morning? That's pretty impressive by my standards. Um, Ted, I'd like to start, if I may, with a little bit about your childhood um, we spoke briefly that you're born and raised in Sydney with a dad who had moved here from Greece and a mum who is Greek-Australian. What was it like growing up in that family? What were the important values in that family, do you think? Yeah, look, dad encouraged us to do as many things as we could. He, he always wanted us to study uh, hard at school, but we were involved with sports you know, every single weekend, it was either soccer, cricket for me, it went on to AFL and many other things. So he encouraged us to try everything. And, and uh, that's what we did. Brilliant. Nice to have that kind of support. Was he the one driving you all over the place? Or was that mum driving you all over the place? No, he, he did. He was my driver. Mum was my sister's uh, chauffeur. Right. So every night of the week, I was training somewhere and doing something. So I had a lot of good opportunity with yeah. uh, my dad. That's brilliant. That's wonderful to have that kind of support in a family and also to have that kind of motivation. Was he sporty himself originally? Yeah, he was. He, he loved tennis and squash and uh, from all the stories, he was a good runner and mm -hmm. loved swimming as well. So it was already in his lifestyle and naturally it uh, you know, filtered down to myself and my sisters. That's brilliant. So I know that um, he was keen for you to trial everything, but you mentioned in particular earlier we were talking about Kung Fu as a particular thing for, I understand, not only yourself but also your sisters. That's right. He, he insisted we learn Kung Fu, not for us to go into competitions or anything, just to have that up our sleeve for the worst-case scenario, you know, growing up, you know, you, you go out and can get into all sorts of situations, but... I enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was, I said we were forced to do it, but I enjoyed going. And the first thing that the instructor told us, he said to my dad, your kids need to be consistent. They need to come here every week and then they will learn. And 
I was there 13 years. My sisters were there a little bit less. But we trained twice a week and we were there every week. And and that consistency was the reason we learned so much and developed the skills. I haven't done it for a little while now because I've gone on to other things, but those skills are still with me, I believe, because we had done it for so long and we were consistent with it. And, um, you know, I've taken that mindset into to everything else that I've started. Yeah, and that's what I understand about a lot of martial arts training is there's a, there's a lot of discipline involved. Absolutely. The first discipline is just to turn up every week. Mm -hmm. uh, the other discipline is, is just learning your body. They can tell you these things, but the subtleties of Kung Fu, the way your body feels, the way your body moves, that takes some discipline to really acknowledge what, how you feel and what your body's doing. Um, it's one thing to learn the movements and go through the motions, but to learn the subtleties of Kung Fu, it's, it's such a real art form, which is part of it that I enjoyed, learning the real subtleties of the art. Okay. So the discipline is just to learn what they're telling you and then reading what your body's sort of giving you uh, the feedback. Yeah. And so like learning any new skill, we hit challenges at times and there would have been things I'm sure that came very easily to you and very naturally some of the movements and other times where there was challenge involved in learning new skill. What was your thought process? Can you think back to when you were a child and a teenager? How yeah, well, that? the challenges was uh, being consistent over so long because sometimes, yeah, you get a bit bored with it, you get a bit over it, but the, di the days you don't want to go and you go often turn out to be your best sessions mm -hmm. and it's better to do something than nothing. So I think the biggest challenge is just to get there, just to turn up. Once you're there, you actually enjoy these things. Yeah. It's getting out of the house and going is the hardest part often. So I had many nights like that. I didn't want to go. I wanted to do something else. Um, but it turned out to be the best sessions. Yeah. And was that you that disciplined yourself to go or was that your dad going, oi, come on, we're going? Well, when I was young, it would have been a little bit of him. But as I you know, had my driver's license at 17, 18, and I, I would take myself, yeah. Brilliant. That's fantastic. And what did that lead on to? So you, you're saying you're playing AFL, um, we've got Kung Fu. What's the next natural step or what was the next natural step for you? Well, <laughs> it, it worked out that I went into dancing. Okay. So Kung Fu was all about the movements and good footwork and good posture and there were many similarities because of the dancing, similar principles. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the next 10 years, that was kind of my weekly routine. I'd do a bit of Kung Fu and uh, the other nights I'd, I'd go dancing. Fantastic. And it's the same thing. Being consistent to go all the time was the way I, I, I developed my skills. Yeah. And what were you looking to gain from doing the dance? And, and this is West Coast Swing, I think you said? Yeah, I learned West Coast Swing. Yeah. What were you looking to gain from doing the dancing? What do you think it was going to bring? Well, the, the first thing was at the time I was going to many 21st birthday parties and I just wanted to learn how to spin a girl. Yep. And I had a friend that was already doing um, dancing lessons. Mm -hmm. So it was easy for me to go with him and meet everybody and, and just get involved. 
And then the next step turned out I was enjoying it. And so I was, it was easy to go week after week. And then before I knew it, they're saying, we do competitions. You're, you're, you know, you're not half bad. You should enter the beginner competition. And that intrigue took over because I, I had no ambition to be a competitor. But the intrigue got me and I became a competitor. Mm-hmm. And another uh, girlfriend at the time, she was there and we naturally teamed up and we had success in our early days. Excellent. But it was more than just that. It was a new community uh, who I met and my new friends and my new social circle. So my motivation was um, just just to meet my friends and and, uh, and party every week. Yeah. Yeah. And as somebody, as I think I mentioned to you, I did um, ballroom and Latin for probably about the same amount of time, if not a little bit longer. And, yes, that community is really quite inspiring at times and they're great to be around because they just love the buzz of dancing that's right and I had no idea this would happen but by meeting all these people it led to going to Queensland to compete going to Victoria to compete going to the USA mm-hmm. and that opened new doors and a new and a bigger community mm-hmm. so you know I had no idea about these things at the beginning but I learned pretty quickly how big this scene was and how enjoyable it was. And uh, that's where it took me. Fantastic. Um, Thinking back to when you first decided to go to a dance class, was there any kind of hesitancy there? You know, like, ah, this isn't me. I'm a sporty guy. Any of that? Absolutely, because I was. I was a sporty guy. I didn't want anyone to know about it. I thought it was for older people to go to these sort of dance classes. A lot of young people didn't do it. I was 21 when I started. Uh, after a couple of weeks, I, I let that go, and I thought it was pretty cool, and I thought I was uh, pretty special to be the only young guy. You know, there wasn't many. I was the only young guy dancing, so I thought it was a good skill up my sleeve. Yeah, brilliant. Isn't it incredible how when we let go of our beliefs about who we are or what we represent, how other doors open up and new skills can grow. Absolutely. And now I say, if you don't dance, you're not being cool. I love it. Now that I've experienced it, you've actually got to go and do it. Um, So you're right. Letting go of that limiting belief at the beginning, uh, my mind's changed. Yeah, perfect. So there you are, listeners. Go off and get some dance classes. It's worth the effort. It's definitely worth the effort. Now, I know then that led into other areas because you were doing a lot of stuff at the gym. So tell us a little bit about what developed for you at the gym. Yes. So I was always pretty sporty growing up in my teenage years. A friend of mine was managing gyms when we were in our early 20s. And I started to dabble in, in the gym just, again, only a couple of days a week when I began and because I was already doing these other things. So, you know, my plate was pretty full. Um, but I enjoyed the gym. I enjoyed the results. And slowly slowly but surely I saw some results, more strength, a bit of size, a bit more definition. So by seeing those results encouraged me to keep going. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing because going two, three times a week, every week, it's a big commitment to do that. 
But seeing the results, same with the Kung Fu, same with the dancing, seeing the results, it made it easier to go back. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy learning new things. That's why I enjoyed the gym. I was learning new things. Um, and all these different areas helped each other. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, I got into a position where I could enter a competition. There was a coach available to me and the timing was perfect because I was in between jobs at that time. And I had a bit of experience now behind me and I entered a one and only bodybuilding competition. Right. Okay. And once again, how did that challenge your belief about yourself? Well, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But that's <laughs> what I was excited about. Yep. Having a coach there who told me at the beginning exactly what I would look like, how I would feel, how my body's going to change. Uh, he gave me that blueprint up front. And over the three months that I was training, he was right all, you know, every step of the way. Um, I didn't know how hard it was, but once I had started, I was too stubborn to stop. And I finished three months. That was also a really hard time because dieting for these sort of things is really, really challenging. You're hungry, you're depleted, you lose strength. Although you're starting to look good for a stage, you're, you're actually not at your best performance, which is um, a unique uh, feeling. Um, but I, I enjoyed it, but I was stubborn to stop. And that's why I, I finished the three months. I got on stage. I, I came third. I was super proud of it. I still talk about it 10 years later. And I, I don't regret it at all. Yeah, fantastic. Now, you've mentioned there a couple of times. It's intriguing to me. I'm curious. I've heard it come up three times now that you didn't know what you were getting into. You didn't really know what you're getting into with the dancing. You didn't know what you're getting into with the bodybuilding. So what would you say to people if they're facing a new, a new venture, a new opportunity, a door opens? Well, I firstly say if, if that's what you want to do and you make that a priority, then you should just go in there and do it. Um, you can't be scared of the outcome. At the beginning, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. So that's almost a positive. If you did, it could turn you off. So just make that commitment and you find ways to get around those little difficult times, which aren't really even that difficult. It's just you've never seen it. You've never done these things before. And then you're really proud when you get through it. Yeah. And once you get through something, the next time you have a challenge, you know you're going to get through it because you've done it before. Yeah, you can take that skill with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's more than just the dancing or the bodybuilding. It's the confidence you're taking away. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard. Like I set new challenges at the moment. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know I've been in these positions before and I know I'll get through it because I've done it before. I know what hard work feels like. I know what dieting feels like. I know, I know the commitment I need to give. So I'm not, I'm not even scared of any of that because it's, it's, it's a habit now. Yeah. Perfect. But just sign up. You've got to sign up and do it. Once you have a commitment, it's harder for you to pull out, I think. Yeah. So what about things like a lot of people step back from challenge because of fear of failure? 
they're worried that it's going to undermine their confidence perhaps if they fail to manage what they're stepping up to look I, i'm i'm a victim of that myself i used to be a soccer player i had a bit of that myself and i i gave that up pretty early um but look you now that i've done these other things i, I would go for whatever you choose to do you go for it and, and more times than not you'll actually do okay it's it's probably the first time the first time there is that fear of failure but after that first time of success, you know how to do it. You have a little blueprint. You have that experience. So the next time you want to do something, you know, you know what needs to be done. Um, so that fear of failure definitely maybe on your first venture because, yeah, you don't know what's in front of you. Um, but the only way to learn is to do it. Yeah, brilliant. Great advice. Thank you. So I know a few years ago you had a bit of a, a health setback with Bell's palsy. Can you explain to the listeners what Bell's palsy is? Yeah, Bell's palsy, it's a, a nerve condition with your face. So the nerves on half of my face, uh, they just stop functioning. So half, so half of my face doesn't move. And I, I developed that three years ago. Normally people get over it. In my case, I haven't got over it completely. I think I'm 75, 80% back to what it normally is. I think uh, in my case, I'm, I'm going to have it forever. Um, but, yeah, that, was, that wasn't uh, very pleasant for the first six months, 12 months, trying to get over it because, I, you know, I felt like my, my smile was gone, my confidence was gone, facing people, I was a bit conscious of doing that. So that was a bit of a setback for me. And so you stopped engaging with people as much and stopped doing some of your activities? Did you step back from things? Look, I, I did a little bit. I, I stopped going out as much. I, I think I've always been sporty and active. That part kind of kept going, but I'm always on my own when I do a lot of those things too. So, yeah, I did, I did step back from a lot of social things. And what convinced you that you needed to move forward with that and step back into well, society? Well, I had really tried everything possible to fix it. I, I saw every doctor that I could see. I tried every treatment. Uh, I gave it a couple of years. I gave it extra time. And I'm comfortable now that I did everything I could. It's out of my control. I'm not by far the, the worst person off out there. There's other people way worse than me. I can still really do everything that I want to do. Um, and, you know, with, with all my sport and my work, it gives me confidence. It gives me identity. And I'm pretty comfortable with what I have. It doesn't bother other people. And I see that and it doesn't bother me anymore. Fabulous. Sometimes people get stuck, don't they? They can't move forward. Yeah, I, I understand, but we can't live like that either. Mm. And it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take too much to look at other people and there's always somebody worse off. Rather than focusing on that, let's focus on what we do have. Yep. Yep. And you've really got to put it in perspective. If you try everything that you can do 
and you just can't get over something, you know, you got to be proud that you've done everything. And I'm not going to, I don't want to sit here being upset all the time. I kind of make a joke out of it now and I kind of feel special that I have and no one else does. Love it. That's fantastic. So this led you, I believe, into considering some of the endurance sports and thinking about mindset and having some people that you follow in these fields. Would you like to tell us a little bit about all of that? Yeah, so I follow a lot of uh, trainers and athletes on YouTube and online. And some guys are bodybuilders, some guys are endurance athletes, some guys are good with nutrition. And I, I like to take all their knowledge. They're all similar and they're all different as well. And I like to take what applies to me in my situation. I've, I've got involved in triathlon training now. And several people I met on holidays and then locally uh, in my social group, the intrigue got the better of me. And uh, now that's my goal. I, I've, and like I said before, I've made this goal. It's now my priority. So getting up to go swimming today is, is not difficult at all. I've got a deadline. I've got a date to meet. And I can't miss any sessions because I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make the race. So my, that's where my motivation comes from. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going back to the Bell's palsy. I'm pretty proud of all my training and, and what I do with work and I make time for all my family. So the Bell's palsy is just not my priority. That's to the side. So I'm moving forward and I'm, I'm happy with everything. Fantastic. So the online people are, are useful motivators and reference points. What about in your immediate circle? How do you, who do you surround yourself with to keep yourself motivated? And how do you get, um, I suppose, support from those around you? Well, look, it, it turns out when you're involved with these things, you meet friends in the same areas. So naturally you're drawn to these people. So I, I, I see my friends training. We have social groups. So by meeting your friends, you're actually out doing the things that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. So you, you see it firsthand um, and you meet one person, then you meet their friend, then you meet his friend. And by nature, the social circle grows. Yeah. Uh, you know, you follow people online. I, I think some social media is good for that, what it really is there for. Uh, so I see what they do and I, I like what they do. And that gives me motivation to keep up with them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my friends and I enter events and we go do them together. And, you know, there's a little bit of competitiveness there. They don't want to um, be left behind. I don't want to get left behind. So that naturally motivates both of us. So your community, you're building a community that was like-minded people. Of course. And the great thing is it naturally happens. You don't even need to try too hard. You just, you got to get out of the house. You got to go do these things and it will happen. Get involved in these social groups, get involved in these clubs. And by going regularly, you meet the same people. You see them week after week and they become your friends. And it's amazing. I think sometimes people who are living with pain or living with physical disabilities that are feeling undermined are not reaching out for support from those around them. So what Ted's talking about there, I think it's really important to be with like-minded people. Absolutely, because they're, they're going to help you. You've got someone to call. 
you got someone to go train with when you don't want to go train by yourself or you don't want to go do your exercise or whatever it is you're doing you've got someone there you're not going to let your friend down when they want to go yeah. so doing it on your own is hard uh, I recommend doing it with people it's much easier much more enjoyable yeah and I understand you've gone from hardly swimming at all to really being quite good at this <laughs> That's what happened. A year ago, I hadn't swum since high school. Yeah. Uh, now that I'm in this triathlon world, I'm really confident. I'm really happy where I've, where I've got. It wasn't easy, but um, I, I really enjoy it. It's one of my favourite things at the moment. Brilliant. It's great. You found your form. Yeah, so and you know what it is? It's being consistent again. It's going every week. When it gets easier, when you get better at it, it's not hard to do. Mm-hmm. That's the, the hardest thing is to start. The hardest thing is to go start and do it because it hurts. At the beginning, it hurt. I couldn't go that far. Yeah. I couldn't. I was panicking. I couldn't breathe, I remember. <laughs> and again, it turned out I went to a, one of the pools. I was going every week. I saw a, a swimming school. Mm-hmm. I talked to the coach. And the next week, I was in that swimming club. And I, I haven't looked back. Now I'm in a swimming club. Fantastic. So once again, it's it's that capacity to reach out for help when you need it, and finding absolutely. The right we don't we don't know everything. We don't have time to learn every skill. You really got to find mentors and coaches to for you to be able to download that information quickly. Yeah. Um, the best athletes in the world have all got coaches. So watch what they do. Watch watch what the best people in the world do. They've got coaches. They've got mentors. They've got a whole team looking after them and these guys are the best mm-hmm. so if they're doing it we should do it yeah stand on the shoulders of giants that's um, right i know that um food and diet and nutrition you've mentioned that a couple of times and i know rev says the two of you have done some um some videos on food preparation and things like that so tell me what's your approach to diet and nutrition in the realm of doing what you're currently doing in training for a triathlon? Yeah, sure. Well, I wouldn't even say I'm on a diet. The way I eat is, is it's a lifestyle now. Um, the good thing was when I did that bodybuilding, I really learned how to eat. I learned how to cook. I learned how much I need to eat. I learned about calories. So now I can just see the amount that I need to eat. I, I feel how much I need to eat. Um, you know, you're your best coach. So one, once, once, once you progress in, in whatever it is you're doing, I think you can really tell your body is telling you what you need. Um, but I, I've learned to cook. I, I cook pretty basic, but I, I always prep. If, if you're not prepared, you're going to eat out and make bad choices. As soon as you eat out, there's not too many good choices out there. So it does take a bit of effort. I'm not going to lie. It will take effort. It takes a, you know an hour in your evening. But I I I enjoy eating the better food. Like I feel better. Like I, I don't even look to eat takeaway. Not that I don't want it. I, I like it, but I don't need it. Um. So it's really important if you're going to go to all that effort to train. You're only going to hurt your results by not eating well. Yeah. Very and after a while, once you get those habits, once you get those habits, you actually feel better eating cleaner food. Yeah. And we certainly had that kind of conversation with Rev as well. I loved her point about, you know, when you're, um, 
when the cravings come, they generally last about 15 minutes. So yes, that craving for eating out or picking up the phone and ordering a home delivery pizza or something like that. If you can hang out for 15 minutes, you'll probably be okay. That's right. And it's all down to preparation. Have your cupboards stocked with a few things that you can make? Like I'll give you an example. Worst case scenario, when I run out of food, I've always got bananas in my freezer. I've got oats. I've got a tub of protein powder and some peanut butter. I put that in a blender and there's a meal. Yep. Not one that I'd want to eat, but uh, very impressive for my protein. Oh, trust me, it's delicious. (laughs) I'll have to take you up on that one, Ted. Um, You mentioned um, when you were learning to swim just a moment ago, you mentioned that at one point you were fearful that you couldn't breathe. Now, in that moment, do you recall how you spoke to yourself? What was your approach? Well, again, I've been in positions before where I didn't think, you know, I could get through it, and I and I have. So when I when I at those moments I thought I couldn't breathe, I just knew I had to stick at it. I knew don't try and swim five kilometers your first day. Go start small and just build up. There's you know the guys I follow they talk about just increasing your sessions by ten percent. Mm-hmm. So if you're starting something like I was with swimming, don't have expectations that you should swim like in Thorpe in a week. Start really small and be patient. It will come. And that's what, and that's what happened. I stuck at it. One week I increased a couple of laps. The next week I increased a couple of laps. I pushed myself a little bit. And, and, and now those hard moments are gone, long gone. Beautiful. And no doubt you've had some setbacks. I mean, you've done a lot of sport here. What happens when you have a setback? Have you had any broken bones or anything like that when you're playing soccer or anything? Or anything that prevented you from doing what you wanted to be able to do? You know, I, I've been really lucky. I haven't had serious injuries. So I haven't had, I, I, I'm lucky to say I haven't had injuries to put me out. Um, but there's been times where work, work's been really busy and um, I've had to prioritise that. And then the sport, you know, goes to the wayside. Uh, Bill's palsy was another thing that, you know, I took time off because I was a bit unsure what was going to happen with that. Um, but the key is not to panic. Take a moment to think about it. And uh, what's, your, what's your course of action to get over it? And we all do. Time heals everything. We can't sit. We can't just sit on these things for, for too long. There's no point to do that. Find something you really enjoy, and that makes things easier. And then and then start being active again. Brilliant. And so, what would your advice be to somebody who's perhaps looking to step into either starting exercise from doing nothing? You know, we've had this crazy period this year where a lot of people have gone to working from home, um, which means by definition, the the number of footsteps per day has dropped dramatically. The walk to the office is, you know, I don't know, 10 steps, 15 steps, instead of being a train ride and a walk and a walk and a train ride. Um, So some people have had amazing weight gain and are feeling very unhappy with themselves physically. Or equally, somebody who might just say, you know what, it's time for me to step into the role of of doing exercise for my well-being and my mental health, what would your advice be to somebody who's looking to get started? 
Oh, that's a good question. The first thing I would say is to start small. Find something you like. If you like something, you're going to stick with it. Uh, don't have expectations you're going to be the best straight away, but what we need is by being consistent, you're going to improve. And when you improve, you're going to enjoy it and you're going to keep doing it. So set smaller goals and then set larger goals as well. That's really important. I set, I set uh, goals like I want to do this event next year, six months, 12 months ahead of time. Mm-hmm. By having that goal, I've got, I've got a time period to get my ass into gear. Mm-hmm. And that really, really helps. Without a goal, it's very easy to put something off. So, so find an event that you want to do. Find a bike riding event. Find a running or swimming event. There's so many of them out there. Set a target. Set a timeline and be consistent. Start with small expectations and slowly build it up. You don't need to train five days a week straight away. Go two days a week. In next month, you're going to go three days. And you just want to be consistent. You want to make this lifestyle. This is not a one-time only thing if your lifestyle allows you to train twice a week or three times a week then that's that's fine just do that for, for me my my lifestyle allows me to train every day if i really want to um, and it's my priority and it's easy to get up and do it because i enjoy it now that i've done it for so long i've got the habits and it's not even a thought to go and do these things i enjoy it so find something you like to do. It's much easier to stick with it. And how do people go around finding somebody who might be a study buddy, for want of a better word? Somebody to Charlotte, train people know you and now you know me. <laughs> so straight away, that, that question is answered. Yeah. Um, look, you, you just go onto YouTube, find people that you like in the area that you like and, and you learn a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you do go out there, you, there's social groups for everything. Mm-hmm. So just, just find someone in your area. Find somewhere that's easy to get to and, and just sign up and do it. Like I guarantee you'll, you'll meet them immediately and, you, and you've got a new group of friends. So it's like going to see your friends. It's not even anything that difficult, is it? Yeah. Social media, I think, as you said earlier, is a is a great way um, of finding people in your area if you want to do something like walking or a cycling group or things like that. Yeah, there's so much that can be found on social media. Everyone's on social media, so that that's the easy part, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I know that you've also got into a fundraising cycling team, so tell us a little bit about how you're giving back, using your skills to give back to the community. Yeah, we, I'm involved with uh, Team Extreme. I've been there for about four years. Um, and every year we, we raise funds for MS. Mm-hmm. So while we ride all year, we have our social coffees as we do. We do events along the way. And the MS Wollongong Bike Ride is our big event for the year where we donate our, our fundraising to the MS charity. Um, and, you know, the good thing is everyone's on the same page. So, again, it's easy to do. Everyone enjoys it. Everyone um, contributes. And MS Charity uh, benefits so much from it. So it's, it's, it's not even a chore. It's not, nothing difficult. We enjoy doing it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's brilliant. Well done. Thank you. And I think sometimes um, people might look at, um, I'm not going to call you an extreme sports person, but, you know, very committed sports people and think, ah, why do they do this? But yes, having something like that ulterior motive, some, some way of giving back is, is an incredibly powerful way that a lot of sports people do actually give back to the community and perhaps we don't credit them for that. So thank you for being part of a group like that. I know Rev was doing very similar things and had done a lot of fundraising for cancer as well. So thank you. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's not even a, th a thought. One day we might rely on these people ourselves. You, you never know. So, and, and again, it's not a difficult thing. We enjoy it. It's not a, it's not a second thought. Yeah, making a community around it. Yeah, That's right. Brilliant. Well, Ted, thank you so very much for some of your insights. I'm sure that some of our listeners may already be endurance sports people. Um, I do understand that you went in preparation for some of your cycling and you did some of the mountains of the Tour de France last year. Is that right? Yeah, I did. It turned out to be one of the best holidays I've ever had. Again, guys in my cycling team told me about it. I had no idea they even existed, these sort of holidays. Mm -hmm. um, but that was my challenge last year, and uh, it was hard, but I, I trained a bit for it, and it turned out to be the best holiday I've had. Brilliant. So you never know where you're going to find fun on this planet, listeners, even if it is in a eight-degree slope for how many kilometres uphill? <laughs> well, the Tourmalet is one of the Tour de France's biggest climbs. That's 17 kilometres of climbing. Oh, wow. So, again, I'm, I'm proud that I did it and I'm alive to tell the story. Yeah, fantastic. Very, very impressive. Not something that I consider some, myself doing. However, very impressed that you've managed that. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you once again for showing us your insights. I hope that you have inspired some of our listeners who might be suffering some challenges in the field of moving forward on their health, people who might be fearful of the potential outcomes of taking on more exercise, um, knowing that pain is part of the journey in doing this, but there are so many benefits along the way, as you've said, and that we really build skills, but not only that, we build belief in ourselves and trust of what we're capable to do, um, understand that we can overcome these fears and um, at the same time, build community and in your case, give back as well. These are admirable skills. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll leave you with one quote. Arnold Schwarzenegger says, you're always stronger than you know. So just dive in, choose something to do. You don't know where it's going to take you. I, I, I've never known where it's going to take me. And it's, it's always been a positive experience. So the hardest thing is just starting, but you can do it. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Insightful words, Ted. Have a great weekend. No doubt you're off to more sport now and a bit more sport. So I hope it's a successful weekend. Yeah, I do too. I'm on the, on the way to cricket now. Fantastic. All right. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this um, podcast with Ted Poulos. And I hope you've learned a few things that will help you improve your skills, improve your mindset and improve your health. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. If this is a message that resonates with you, 
make sure that you check out the link in the description and subscribe to get more insight on Mindset for Health, Tales of Extraordinary People.